Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where every single week I help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. That might be the mission of the nonprofit you're working at, or if you're a nonprofit consultant or freelance grant writer, the many different missions that you work with because you work with many nonprofits. All right, so we have an amazing show today with Dr. Rob Harder of the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, and he's also an executive director for the last 13 years of a nonprofit. So he is going to drop some gems today. You guys tune in. If you are an executive director, especially, this podcast episode is for you. Of course, for everyone else, it is as well, because it is a really great uh, episode where he gives you specific tips on how he has grown his nonprofit that you can totally adapt. These are universal tips that really work well. Do listen, do implement, not just listen, actually take what he, t- he shares with you today, implements it because these really, as I said, are universal. The other thing he shares are some amazing trends going on this year as we get into 2023. Dr. Rob Harder is a really amazing thought leader in the space of nonprofits. So do tune in today, you're gonna love it. And that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> And if you want to watch it, do jump over to our YouTube channel, Grant Writing and Funding, as we do all of our interviews are also on our YouTube channel. So if you like to watch as well, um, that's really great too. And before we get into our podcast today, I just want to also mention something that's coming up that you will not want to miss. And that is a live webinar with Rachel Waterman from Global Development Systems and myself. We are going to be presenting, well, she's going to be presenting it to you first, all of the grant writing and funding change makers. You get the first reveal of the survey that GDS did, Global Development Systems did. They are unveiling it for the Grant Writing and Funding podcast listeners and change makers. Woohoo! Um, and that is the 2022 survey results called The Price is Right. And what that was all about was what and how grant professionals are pricing their services. So they did a robust survey of grant professionals, so people who are out there as freelancers charging for their services, and they really went into some behavior behind it, what they're charging, why they charge what they charge, their confidence level, all of those things, and how these freelancers or grant professionals are determining a fair price, what percent is confident in their pricing, who's getting a fair price, who isn't, etc. So if you are a freelance grant writer or grant professional and you struggle with coming up with fair pricing for your services, finding confidence in your pricing structure, and knowing how to match your pricing for your value, then you are definitely going to want to attend this free and live webinar that Rachel is presenting and she's going to be presenting those survey results. So this is wonderful for you if once again, if you're a freelance grant writer or grant professional and you want to learn what the pricing market is for grant professionals, what your peers are doing, and also understand what the behavior is behind pricing. Right, so in this 60 minute webinar, you're gonna walk away with an understanding of what grant professionals are doing for fair pricing models, how behavior towards pricing varies between genders, 
And what percentage of grant writers are dedicating unpaid time and how to make this right? So definitely attend. This is coming up on February 2nd at 3 p.m. Eastern. Jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com and you can click on our training link. And we have all of our upcoming training webinars and stuff listed there. And of course, if you want to join our free grant writing and funding hub haven, where you can be a part of our weekly newsletter, which lets you know about all of these really cool trainings, webinars, resources, and so much more every single week, then jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com to sign up for that for free. Plus, there's a lot of freebies that you can get immediately on a beautiful online platform. All right, so back to our podcast today. As I mentioned, Rob is a nonprofit executive professional with over 28 years of experience in leading and building nonprofit organizations. In 2010, he became the executive director of CCPC, a humanitarian and community-focused nonprofit organization with a bold mission to serve as a leading networker of community services based in Park City, Utah. He is a sought-after speaker and seminar facilitator, and he founded and hosts the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. So for all you podcast listeners out there, you'll definitely want to add that one to your library. Once again, the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. Rob is also a member and a contributor for the Forbes Nonprofit Council. Rob was invited to be part of Harvard's Young American Leaders Program in 2021, and he serves on the Utah Advisory Committee for the U.S. Global Leadership Coalition. He also serves on Park City Chamber of Commerce, and he has chaired the Martin Luther King Jr. Commission for Human Rights for the State of Utah, and he served as the chair of the Utah Nonprofit Association's board. And for all of today's show notes, definitely jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 255. All right, without further ado, here's Dr. Rob Harder. Hey, Holly. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yes. So we are having a little bit of technical difficulties, guys. So please hang out if we glitch out a little bit. But we definitely want to have Rob on. We want to hear what you have to say. And we really want to talk about nonprofit leadership and the growth of nonprofit industry apart, maybe just from grants. So I know we get a lot about how to expand with grants. But remember, a lot of times we talk about there's other ways to do that. And really, even if you have the best funding plan in the world, if you don't have operations in place to help you scale that are efficient and effective, you could fall on your face. So I'm so glad that you are coming on because you lead, you're the executive director of CCPC, a humanitarian community-focused community, community focused based nonprofit. You also have your own not, or your own podcast show as well. So I'm really excited about that to have another podcaster on the show. And you're really going to help together. us too. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about you, uh, Rob, as a... Uh, what got you into um, your organization and, and um, you know, some of the topics then about leadership that we can touch on today? Absolutely. Yeah. Again, thanks for having me on the show. And yeah, it's something that I'm very passionate about, the nonprofit sector. I think it, uh, it attracts some of the best leaders out there because nonprofit um, work is typically mission driven and people are, are involved in nonprofits because they're really, they feel called to a cause. So they feel called to a community or they feel cause called to um, a justice issue of some type. And so that really, I think, draws out some of the best in people. And so it, I love being with nonprofit leaders who really are excited about what they're 
they're doing. And that really leads into my story. You know, I've been in the nonprofit sector now for many, many years. And most specifically, as you said, CCPC, the last 12 years, in fact, I'm going into my 13th year now. And uh, it's based out of Park City, Utah, just outside of Salt Lake. And uh, we have two campuses. In fact, we are looking for a third campus now. And as you mentioned, we're a humanitarian organization. And so we're, we're really seeking to meet the needs of this community through a variety of what we call safety net of services that provide holistic care for this community. Awesome. That's so great. And I, and I love, yeah, I see here in your bio, you've got over 28 years of experience, 28 years of experience in the nonprofit sector. And, you know, that's quite a, that's quite a lot. And I love that you're like entering your 13th year with this organization. And I kind of feel like, is it the teenage years? Do you feel? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. Yeah. And you know, it's, well, I'll tell you what, we've seen it grow. Like when I came 12 years ago, well, 13 now, um, it was, we had eight paid staff plus me then so nine total and we've gone through a lot of iterations and we've grown and now we're over 70 paid staff uh, our budget is just quadrupled um, it's been really fun to see this organization grow and and then along the way I've been able to connect with other nonprofits and I got to serve on the Utah Nonprofits Association uh, as the chair of the board and I got to work with the state and the governor's office and just a lot of you know, focused on this area. So I just see we uh, are just now in the process of hiring some more people. We just hired our chief operating officer, and that's been great. That's new for us. Um, And so I feel like if we are going to the teenage years, it is one of those where we're really coming into our own, if you will, um, and expanding us to the next level of um, now, where do we go with the third campus that could really launch us into a whole nother realm of growth and adding more people. Uh, So yeah, so I think it's, I would say if we're going to our teenage years, it's a really fun time because there's so much going on right now. Oh yeah. And the teenage years can actually be great years, right? Because like, but, yeah, you always I mean, think they're the awkward years, but <laughs> that was the thing, like your rebellious years, like it's, it's yeah, that's right, uh-huh. right? And it's, it, it is like having that experience of being a little more independent of maybe making different kinds of decisions, right? And it's, it could be a really powerful place. So I love that, um, that, that trajectory of growth, um, because a lot of nonprofits, you know, unfortunately they don't, they don't have that continuing growth. They're 13 years later and they still have the seven staff members or maybe fewer than that, or, you know what I mean? And it's very hard to grow. So can you kind of share with us, like, what were some of the lessons that you learned through this last 13 years to help you get into that growth area? Um, maybe some things that you did strategically that really you saw that that was the turn um, of that growth. Yeah, that's such a good question. And, and, you know, I could talk for hours on this. So I'll I'll just kind of narrow down. I'd say three things I could start with that I think really as I look back were maybe some of the three biggest things that I did, particularly early on when I came 13 years ago. I think number one, um, I sought to listen to the staff that were already there, uh, listen to the founder um, who basically trained me and handed things off. Uh, the founder uh, really was able to be there for 10 years. And then I, nicely, I had like a three month overlap with the previous executive director in my role. And so he was able to really hand off a lot of things and give me context and set me up well. So I think listening, coming in and listening well, mm-hmm. helped me understand where this organization was 
maybe where the opportunities for growth were and where are some of the areas we really need to grow in quickly or we have maybe a longer term time to, to expand and grow. So I think listening is one of those critical skills, particularly if you're going into an organization or if you're into the nonprofit sector for the first time or if say if you're building your own business, listen to others who have done it before you, listen and learn as much as you can. I think that really set me apart initially. And then secondly, ironically, then I listened to the community too. And one of the things I kept hearing was uh, our organization was the best kept secret in this area. And on the one hand, it was a great kind of compliment that we weren't like tooting our own horn or we weren't, you know, trying to say, oh, look how great we are as an organization. So that's good. Like we want to, you know, stay humble and be very, very much uh, uh, like subtle and behind the scenes and serving the community. But I also read that people didn't know about us. They yeah. didn't know about all of our services and programs. So that, okay, we really need to work on our communication and our marketing really is what that turned into. So we didn't really have a solid, um, honestly, at that time, not a solid web presence. We did not have any social media. So I got all the social media up and going. Um, and then getting into the community, going to the chamber meetings, going to um, you know rotary clubs and speaking at faith communities, speaking at whatever organization will take you and and accept you and allow you to come and share what you're doing. I did as much as I could. And I would buy people coffee and say, well, tell me more about what you do. And let me tell you what we do. And so lots of one-on-one -on -one meetings. And so marketing and getting the word out was probably the second thing I'd say that uh, I did well, that really helped then help us move on beyond the best kept secret. And then the third thing would just be really at the end of the day, here in this um, show, I would say it's our brand, but really it comes back down to our mission. You know, who, what is our mission? Because we had it on paper, but what is our mission and how do we live that out so that what the community experiences is what we have on paper? You know, we seek to be this organization that meets people right at their point of need. Um, okay, does is that what the community experiences? Is that what the brand is, so to speak, out in the community? And if not, let's figure out where those gaps are. And so I tried to do that with all of our various programs at the time. Um, what can we do to bridge those gaps if there was a gap and make sure our mission was crystal clear, not only to our current staff and our volunteers, but to anybody else in the community to find out this is who we are and this is what we're about. So I think those three things probably are the, the key things that got me going anyway and helped us steer the ship towards growth. Oh, I love that. And I love that both two of them are about listening and it's listening to different people in different ways. And I think that's fantastic. You know, so it's really good to um, really see that you're you're listening and, and observing your community. Um, and I also really liked your brand, your mission, as far as connecting people where they are. So I think that's really important. So then when nonprofits, you know, you, that you can scale up and these are really good practices to do. Absolutely. Um, so then when it comes in, because a lot of times is what I've seen with nonprofits is they kind of get stuck between a rock and a hard place as far as they want to grow, they need to have more staff, but they need to have the funding for the staff. And it's like the funding be before the people, the people before the funding, it's like stuck between this kind of Thing. So in your experience, you guys have grown both financially and with people. So what is the recipe for that that you can kind of share? Yeah, and we certainly don't have a silver, silver bullet with this, but I would say this first, make sure you're following through and really 
accomplishing all that you set out to do. So in other words, whatever programs you have, make sure they're the best programs. You really strive for excellence because what I found is people give in response to good programs and good quality service where they're seeing a tangible difference based on your efforts. And so if you've got, so one of our programs is we have actually two food pantries. So our food pantry, are we really addressing the food insecurity issue? Uh, are we meeting people right at their point of need when it comes to food? And if we're not doing that well, it's really difficult to go to a donor and say, hey, come support support us because we're, we we try to do some you know things with food insecurity but no if we have a really quality food program that we can report on and we have good data to show exactly the difference we're making and how many people we're serving how we're doing our best to respond to the needs of the community then you go to a donor with all these good stories and or data and then they're like okay and they typically what i found anyway you probably found this too holly a lot of donors will invest init initially maybe 20% of what they could give. And so maybe they give you a gift for $5,000. Like, oh, that's fantastic. Keep it up. And then you better report back, say, in mm. three months or six months, depending on how much they give, right? And how much they want you to get back to them. And then tell them the new things you are doing because of their gift. And I've just found when you kind of build trust essentially with your donors, then they're going to give you more money. And so I think that's where you do kind of the yin and yang, so to speak, of you need to have really good programs. So do the best you can with the staff you have, strive for excellence, you'll get more money. And then you do, yes, you need to invest and take a few risks and, and really go for it to get the best staff you can afford. And then along the way, one of the things that we're still trying to work with in, in our organization um, is really maximize your volunteers. Mm -hmm. One of the things I found with some nonprofits is they have volunteers. We all kind of do because we depend on volunteers. But are you really maximizing your volunteers? Right. Have you trained them in your mission? Do they know and understand all that you do? Can they be your spokespeople for your organization? Because they often, in turn, they can become donors. And then they have a network of friends that they can tell more about the organization say, hey, I've been serving at the food pantry. It is fantastic. Let me tell you about what CCPC does. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, then their personal experience expands into their personal network. And then all of a sudden, now you potentially get more donors out of that. And that's not someone you've invested money, per se, in terms of a staff position. These are volunteers that really, if you turn your volunteers into raving fans, so to speak, um, that's going to help grow your organization because now people want to invest more. And then of course, when you get more money, then you can invest more staff. So I do think it's a, there is an art to it a bit, but I think the number one things, if you're struggling to get money is really, you need to make sure your programs are really hitting on all cylinders so that you can attract more people to support you. I love that. And that quality, right? That, that talk of quality and really like, this is our mission. Our people understand the mission that affects them. And it's really like putting in, I love that, that the quality, because a lot of times is what nonprofits do is that what I've seen is they start doing the penny pinching. And I'm not saying you, you don't budget, you're not financially, you know, responsible and all that, but there, it starts to be that poverty mindset of let's just make it cheap, cheap, cheap. Let's make it, you know, let's, and then the, the program suffers, right? The, the program really can suffer. And it doesn't mean that you need to spend a lot of money, but when you come to it with a, let's make this high quality mindset, it's a That's different it. kind of experience, right? And I love what you said about the volunteers as well. Like make them your ambassadors. Don't just be like, hey, yes. just like be your volunteer and do this little thing. And we're hurrying around like crazy and just kind of telling you, we're shouting out a command to you. And that's all we're going to interact with you. Like, no, make them a part of your culture, right? That's, that's a huge tip. I love that one because yeah, you're right. They know people, they are donors themselves. They are 
sitting here going, I want, I'm passionate about this. I'm so passionate that you don't even have to pay me. I'm showing up <laughs> helping, right? Exactly. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Absolutely. I think it's one of the most overlooked um, um, really tools of, uh, it's not even a tool, it's just your overlooked um, ambassadors. You're right. That's a good term right there. They come every day. They do it. They don't pay to do it, they, but they want to do it. They have a huge heart of gold to serve the community. So just make sure they're well-equipped and empowered to be your ambassadors and do it really well. I love that. I love that. So, so let's kind of look at that now too. Now, and I love that. Okay. So now we're looking at, here's some ways that you can really just start with the growth. It's that listening, right? Listening to your um, your organization, listening to your community, making sure your mission really makes sense and it's lived, right? And then also looking, yeah, there are some risks involved, right? When you grow your organization and looking at people and making sure it's quality. So yeah. moving into this then, what are some ways financially, right? So now let's look at the Brax tax of like finances. Would you say you have a different mix? Like what kind of is your mix of the monies that come in to sustain your organization? And is that a good kind of playbook for other people or could it be? I know every organization is completely different. So you can't just say, take this and do the same thing. But, you know, is there a generic kind of sense of here's diverse funds that come in from donors or grants or, you know, where are they coming in from? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So I inherited an organization that already started um, a thrift store and then they split it into a what we call a boutique and a thrift store because it's kind of a higher end boutique. We live in um, Park City and you get some wonderful items from people that are really, really nice Prada boots and Armani suits and things like that. So it's pretty unique for a thrift store. Yeah. So it's a great place to shop. So there, there was already some income. So that's really turned into a social enterprise. But we weren't really maximizing again what we could do with that store yet because it was still kind of new and it was growing. So what we did a couple of things. We didn't uh, first of all we wanted to really expand our social enterprise, so actually invest in those stores. And what that meant was we did have to hire some staff to really manage it and and go from just depending on volunteers 100% to really let's now invest with some key staff. We already had a manager, but then fill out some of the positions so that we had consistent, good help. We could actually grow these stores and really provide this wonderful experience for people because it was such an effective way of, in a sense, raising funds for the programs by selling great items. So we did that. So that's number one. We really emphasize the social enterprise. And now it's uh, now not quite 40% of our overall budget, but it's pushing 40% now wow. in terms of our overall budget, which is huge for us. And then the second part is we had a lot of wonderful individual donors um, and we had people that had family foundations, but we had not really diversified our funding that much. We had not had that many grants. Um, and so we really started exploring. We need to look at the other grant opportunities that really are set up to give to places like ours. Um, for example, we have a counseling center. And so there's a lot of grant opportunities for counseling centers, a lot of grant opportunities for food pantries, and then really working with the city and the county, even the state. Um, there's certain grants uh, for what we provide as a food pantry. So we really want to diversify and provide more grants. Mm -hmm. Now, we have decided as an organization, we don't want to ride the crazy wave of uh, federal grants. That's sometimes, now some people do that and they completely depend on that and they do a really good job of it. We found with our work and and, and really kind of the board uh, did not want that um, uncertainty because sometimes I've actually been on a board of a nonprofit that got 90% of their money from federal 
um, grants and they're great when they come and they can be really large grants, but often they require like an administrator or two just to manage the grant itself, right? Because there's so much reporting. And then number two, things can fluctuate really quickly depending on the, the political, you know, whims of the day, right? They, there could be a change over in um, a political party and all of a sudden the funding just literally can get cut. It feels like overnight. And so I remember that with the organization I was serving as a board member, wow, things could change really quickly because the funding will dry up or they change the funding or they make a quick decision where I found if it's private individuals or foundations or grants that are overseen by private individuals, um, they're much more steady and they're not going to cut funding. Rarely were they cut funding really quickly. Um, so anyway, everyone has to, you know, like you said, everyone's different. And so for what we found, what was best for us was to focus a little bit more on those individuals and family foundations, but find those grants that we were not pursuing Mm-hmm. and really go after those. Um, and that eventually led to hiring a part-time grant writer and getting a full-time development person, of course, over time. And then by investing in the development side of this organization, that brought in more money, going back to your point that you need to invest in if you're going to get more money. And so that's helped us now to diversify our funding. Uh, and we feel much better. We feel like we're not, there's not like one donor that's funding this organization. If they go away then we're trouble you know like that often Mm -hmm. happens when you first are starting when you're small and you really want to get away from that as soon as possible so is that helpful yeah that's super helpful and I love the point that you brought up about federal grants and just grants in general because a lot of times people do think okay I'm going to start a nonprofit because I can get grants like that's almost part of the drive behind it right yeah and I'm like "Mm." and the thing is with grants like you mentioned is you know how I look at them is it's startup capital or it's expansion money and it's time durated there's a duration it's limited and it should also almost be like supplemental so maybe some supplemental infusion to get you going in something but don't think of it long term unless like you said you're looking more at those foundation partnerships where there may be some more long-term funding because of those long-term priorities that aren't going to shift overnight or every four years or whatnot. (laughs) So, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I love that you also have a thrift store and a boutique because I, you know, definitely having some kind of service or product or other ways of making monies, you know, you know, whether that's a coffee shop or whatever that could be, you know, that's a way to sustain money. So I love that you're also meeting the community that way. And saying it's got to be quality, though. Let's hire actual staff to run it, right? That have skills maybe that bring in to whatever customer service or whatever types of skills to really help with that. So that's really helpful. Thank you for that. I hope hope that gives people an idea just to hear kind of how you guys are doing it and and some ideas on funding um, out there. So now... Before we close out today, though, I definitely want to touch on some of the trends in leadership. So we've been talking about these great skill sets and these ideas and ways to kind of, you know, lead your organization, get funding for your organization. But what what are some trends that we're seeing, um, you know, now in the 2022 and 20 as we go into 2023? Kind of, you know? Yeah, I think, um, again, there, this is something we could talk about quite a bit, but I'll just do a couple, you know, on what you mentioned, my podcast, the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, and we've had some guests recently talk about various trends. And so one trend is, um, how do you use technology to really improve your organization rather than let that kind of take over? And all of a sudden now you, you've got all these wonderful new technologies that you've invested in, but then it can actually change sometimes the nature of your organization. So one example is sometimes
sometimes now with all the great tools we can have with a CRM um, technology and or social media, I mean, you fill in the blank of any technology you're using right now in your organization or your business. Mm -hmm. If you don't still keep that high touch with people, in other words, particularly I would say with nonprofits, I still feel like people want a phone call. They want those little handwritten notes. Um, they want a meeting, a lunch, or a coffee. They don't want you just to only communicate through technology. They still want to get to know you. They want to come and volunteer. You know, there's still that sense of proximity and connection with people that I think sometimes the trend has been, oh, let's load up on all this technology and I can really expand my organization. That is true. And you can create a, a lot of efficiencies by investing in technology. So I think that's the best part is you can create efficiencies and maybe not always hire every single person if you have the right technology that can fill in the gaps for a certain area of your, you know, nonprofit that maybe is lacking, but you never, never want to replace that with high touch opportunities. And that meaning, I know that's a, maybe a weird term, but just meaning just connection, a personal connection with people. There's still that sense. People like to interact with an actual human being, particularly with the nonprofit. They want to know who are you? You know, yeah, they can go to your website and you better have a good website. And so it attracts people. That's where they maybe first check out your organization is your website. Right. Um, However, after that, if they really want to invest, I feel like there's going to be some kind of personal connection. They'll stop by, they'll check in, they want to volunteer. They may come in, I'm the, I happens to be the CEO, but they'll want to see somebody at the organization and talk to them and ask some questions, maybe have coffee or have lunch or whatever. So that's a trend where I think don't rely too heavily on new technology to solve a lot of your issues without also beefing up the opportunity to invest personally. So I think that's a trend that we've got to make sure we keep that balance on, if that makes sense. I love that. And I love that, you know, because there's so much technology, there's so much automation that can be done. And like you said, efficiencies are right. wonderful, but we're still human and we're still, we still yeah. need that connection, right? And that's really going to drive Definitely. us forward to have relationships, right? So wonderful. Definitely. Yeah, that's such a, that's such a wonderful tip. I love that. I love that seeing the trend is, yeah, there is, you know, the handwritten notes, like those are great. You know what I mean? I still love getting those in the mail and I love sending them out. Like it's, it's nice to have right. that touch, right? <laughs> those little things, right? Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. So, well, and I'll throw another one out there. See if yeah. you found uh, recruitment retention. Uh, that's a trend I've seen is huge. It's on everybody's mind right now. I think for two reasons. After COVID, right, we had the 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 great um, what is the, they've named it different things. The great re resignation, if you will, or just people basically leaving their jobs or moving in their sectors, going to a different type of job, or wanting more benefits, wanting more flexibility, working from home, um, more health insurance. You know, just you name it. Like after COVID, I feel like there's this wave of you know, people need and ask for a lot more, which I think in many ways is great. It's a great correction is that maybe we were not, we were underpaying, we weren't providing enough benefits, we weren't providing enough flexibility in our jobs. But it is, I think, a little more challenging for nonprofits because it's not like you can just sell more things. You know, you've got to raise more money in order to, you know, provide these benefits and, and offer more things for people. So one of the things, in fact, this next year, our one of our primary strategic plan items is recruitment and retention. Nice. So in other words, I don't think nonprofits can go to sleep, so to speak, on the current staff they have. Um, there are so many opportunities out there. We've had staff regularly now, because like our mental health counseling center is one example. They're getting recruited constantly by yeah. other organizations, by other counseling centers that have more money, that are for profit, that maybe don't have the humanitarian side of what we do, where we provide counseling for anybody, regardless of their ability to pay. 
We want to make sure they can come and get mental health counseling. Well, that maybe does cut into our margin, so to speak. An organization that just is straight out, you know, wanting to make as much money, which is fine. Uh, they they have more money to throw at their counselors too. And so we're having to be competitive. We're having to be really intentional, looking at a compression of your salaries and upping your hourly rate. I mean, all those things to really make sure you don't fall asleep on the fact that your staff right now are great and you don't want to lose them. So make sure you're focused on retention and building things into your system now and into your organization where you're making it a good incentive to stick around. Um, so anyway, so that's another trend I think that I'm seeing. I talked to a lot of nonprofit leaders that is on their mind constantly. The, the, the competition really that's out there, I think is more difficult than I've ever seen in all of my years of being a nonprofit leader. I think it's more intense now and people want more things uh, from their employer than ever. So yeah. I don't know if you've seen that too, but oh, I've yeah. definitely seen it recently. I call it the great redistribution. <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah. There's so many names. I like that. That's a new one. <laughs> so, and I totally agree with you. And, you know, and it's, it is, it's how do we, and part of, part of my mantra kind of in this too, is to say, ask your grant funding sources for more money. Ask them, say, Hey, you know, sure. You're going to, you got $10,000 grants, but look, you know, I can pay this then, or, you know, it's a hundred thousand dollars and I can have one staff. I'm not going to put three on there. Like before, like, you know, we need to step up and to talk to them and to educate them on what this is, how this impact is happening, you know, and, and then they can look back and say, oh, oh, yeah, you're, you're right. You do have to start paying more. There are, you know, trends now. There are different, you know, there's a different standard. So we also need to make sure that we, you know, talk to our sponsors, we talk to our donors, we talk to our funding sources and really educate them on what we need to do. You know, you guys are wanting us to have more equity, right, in our organization organizations, but we need the funding to do that as well too. So we can make sure we can move forward. So I, I love that. I love, you know, yeah. And, and other ways too, maybe, maybe you can't get up to the same rates as private industry right now. Right. But maybe right. there's working from home or different flexibilities or taking Fridays off or things that are very attractive to people, not just financially. Right. But other opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. So I love that. I love all these tips as well. This has been so fun to hear behind well, the scenes. Yeah, of your organization. <laughs> you so thank you for opening the book for us and letting us see inside your uh, really successful organization that keeps growing. Um, congratulations too on thank on you. your teenager. <laughs> So, yeah, exactly. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. I still yeah. feel like a teenager, so I don't know if that's good or bad. On the show. And then once again, thank yeah, you. please, you guys go over and listen to your podcast, the nonprofit leadership podcast, right? We have the Dr. Rob Harder is amazing. We're definitely going to, um, I'll be on his show too soon. So you guys will definitely have to check it out. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, where else can people find you? Yeah, that's the best. I mean, you can go, yeah, Nonprofit Leadership Podcast is probably the easiest, but you can Google Rob Harder. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook uh, as well, um, if you want to look there. And usually um, Rob Harder, any combination with Leadership Podcast will pop up on various social media handles. But I just want to say, Holly, thanks so much for what you're doing too. You're providing a great tool through your podcast. I know you do a lot of trainings and seminars. Um, you're be building up the nonprofit sector and, and also people that are starting their own business. And so thanks for equipping and inspiring people so you're doing a great job thank you so much i really appreciate you coming on this has been fantastic we'll have all of the links in the show notes um but yeah we'll talk to you soon thank you so much rob that's good thank you so much holly appreciate it i hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode today with dr rob harder of ccpc and of the nonprofit leadership podcast 
I definitely did. He is such a joy to listen to. He breaks down some amazing nonprofit formulas to get funding really easily. And he just gave some great trends for nonprofits coming up in 2023. So if you want more information about Rob and how to contact him and, and to see the nonprofit that he, he's a part of, as well as his podcast, the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 255. You can also find all of the things that we do on our website at grantwritingandfunding.com, especially that free live webinar that's coming up with Global Development Systems for grant professionals. I'll see you on the podcast next week. And if you love the podcast, please do me a favor. Leave a review on your podcast player as it does help other folks find the podcast. All right, have a wonderful week and keep changing the world. Thank <laughs> you.